Mission with Jonesy and Amanda. Our next guest is the icon who sold more than 30 million albums worldwide. He is the soundtrack to all our 80s endless summer nights. See what I did there? I did. Well, this Grammy award-winning songwriter has finally written a memoir called Stories to Tell. We are thrilled to have him on the show. Richard Marks, hello. My friends, how are you? I miss you guys. Well, we miss you. It's been some time since we chatted, and I'm pretty sure last time we chatted, you didn't mention anything about writing a book. Well, it was top secret, my friend. It was, uh, you know, it was it was not even probably the last time we spoke. I wasn't even sure if I would ever release the book. You know, it was it was always just a, a work in progress. Just even my even my family, some of my family didn't know I was working on it until I got really serious about it and then partnered up with a great publisher here in the States called Simon & Schuster and then mm-hmm. then I got real serious about it and so I wasn't really, you know, I, I, I'm like one of those people who doesn't talk too much about what I'm working on until it's really real because I don't want somebody to come back to me and say, hey, what about that thing? And I go, oh yeah, that never happened, you know. I love how you said to your mate Rick Springfield when he wrote an autobiography, you texted him and said, you're either the bravest guy I know or the dumbest. So <laughs> what, <laughs> the, what changed jury, your mind? The jury is still out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> when Rick, well, when Rick wrote his book, he sent it to me and I, that was my response to it because it was incredibly um, brave uh, in that he he went there, you know, he really, he, he did not leave anything to imagination. And he was, that was his, uh, that was, that, that he was, that was his truth. And that was how he was going to do it. And I, I respect that. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I approached my book differently in that. I, uh, I, I think, as I said to somebody the other day, I wrote my book in a way that never violated the integrity of my own privacy mm-hmm. in that, uh, you know, for people who want some kind of really tawdry tell-all, that's fine, but I'm, you're not going to get that from me. Well, you get and anyone that follows you on Twitter sees your self-deprecating sense of humour. And but there's a bit there where you, you know you talk about having ten years where everything you put out was a success, and then you put out a record and you even joked that it went double plywood. You know that must be hard as an artist, yeah. though. It is, you know, but I think. Uh, one of the, one of the best compliments anybody ever gave me was a friend of mine, maybe five or six years after I'd sort of stopped having chart hits as an artist, but I was now full on into writing and producing for other people and having a great career doing that and still performing here and there. Um, we, we ended up having a conversation about the ebbs and flows of careers. And he said to me, I think you of all, of all the people I know, you were the most ready for the fall. And I took that as a great compliment because there are some people I know who they still can't really get over not being a star anymore or, you know, having every record be on the charts or, and I always viewed that period of time that 10 years or whatever as finite. I always, I always figured there was some expiration date on it in terms of being, you know, having hits on the radio. That's for the most part, that's a young person's game. And it was my turn when I was young. And then I reached a point where it wasn't my turn anymore. It was other people's turn. And I, I, you know, you can either bitch and moan about it or you can just carry on and 
keep working. Well, it's been a 40-plus year career, just extraordinary. And it's interesting that you're writing about some experiences that even your family don't know. Is it true that when after reading the book, your son said, hey, Dad, I didn't know you were held up at gunpoint in Taiwan? How casual. <laughs> yeah, it was like, how could you have not told us this story? Because I've told them so many stories. You know, even though I, I wrote in the book about that uh, experience in Taiwan, and it was a harrowing frightening couple of days, I think I kind of blocked a lot of it out. I mean, it is a great story. And it's a, you know, as I was writing it, I was thinking, man, that feels like I'm writing a Liam Neeson movie in this chapter, you know? Um, <laughs> but I, I guess I must have had to have some distance from it because all I remember for a long time was being terrified. It was, you know, there were guys with machine guns and we, we, our lives were being threatened and and we we knew that these people could do whatever they wanted to us and get away with it because we were helpless. If we're going to make a movie from the book, Liam mm. Neeson style, who should be playing you, you think? John Stamos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with John Stamos. <laughs> He's the only guy that could do the hair correctly. <laughs> and if, if John Stamos was to make a movie, you could play him. Exactly. He and I sort of have that deal. We... If you if you follow either of us on Twitter, yeah. every couple of weeks, he and I have a Twitter battle. We have a Twitter feud, and we insult each other relentlessly, but only because we love each other. And that's and that's the best way to be. Well, Richard, it's always great to talk to you. The new memoir, A Story to Tell, is in all good bookstores today. Uh, Richard, thank you. My pleasure. Jonesy and Amanda's Damnation.